Hello, 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 guys. Welcome back to April and Cam's podcast. Woo! I'm April. I'm Cam. What's up? Wow, two episodes in a week. <laughs> <laughs> Recorded in the same week. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're back again, and we are going to discuss um, uh, the next two chapters in 19, and they are uh, Punishments and Inheritance. Is that correct, Cameron? Yeah. Yes, punishment inheritance. I really enjoyed inheritance. Like I can't wait to discuss that because that was so sad. It was depressing. Oh, yeah, it was sad. But um, yeah. So what did you think? Also, do you have any updates in the, you know, since the last time we we're here, or just same old, same old? Enjoy Girl, your Um, like I told you before, still wearing my sweatpants. That's how it should be. <laughs> <laughs> my contacts—they are upstairs somewhere. <laughs> um girl oh yeah because you were making fun of me last time yes um i'm in bed i sleep in now till yes. nine o'clock <laughs> not 7 30 oh my god you're right that's how it should be yes just enjoy yourself any updates for you or just same old same old same old same old just literally like trying to get my life together mm. and yeah same old same old honestly all right, let's get started. So to start off with punishment, what were your thoughts about this chapter? I mean, like, <laughs> so over, you know what? This is one thing I can't stand about this podcast. Like, just thinking back to school, oh, yeah. the bitch is just trying to relax. <laughs> but the reason why I say this is because last semester, uh, my class was my favorite class. No shade. Uh, it was it's titled The New South. And so um, I read and wrote about... So basically, The New South is after Reconstruction, um, which is, you know, after the Civil War. Reconstruction, Reconstruction excuse me, lasted from about, like, 1865 till um, 1877. You know, that was the time when... Uh, racist whites say that uh, federal government overreach. This is also when black people were mm-hmm. in political offices, all that kind of stuff. And so, like, punishment really hit because I read a lot of books on, you know, convict leasing, oh. female, black female convict leasing, because, you know, they utilize, so, like, Obviously, the South was really hit um, after the Civil War. They suffered a lot, like, in mm-hmm. all, all, all the states. And so, like, Black labor, surprise, surprise, was used to industrialize and modernize the South. Of course it was. Yeah, so just reading this, like, really brought me back because he was talking about, you know, the Angola prison. I wrote, yeah. a, I wrote a paper on, like, the first Louisiana State Penitentiary yeah. and how... Um, the man, the second man in his company, he's like um, S.L. James, Samuel Lawrence James, something around that. But um, he owned the convicts um, of like the state of Louisiana, wow. something like that, something like that. And um, ironically, when he passed away, his plantation, the Angola plantation, is the uh, is the that's the land where the Ancola prison is today. 
in Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, so it's, 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 yeah, it's it's interesting. It's depressing, but it's very very interesting because yeah. that that prison in the 20th century. I hope not as much in the 21st was known as the most deadly, not deadly, excuse me, bloodiest prison yeah. uh, in the United States. Yeah, I remember hearing about, the only reason I know about the Angola prison, I heard about it a couple times, but when I went to the African American Museum in D.C., they had a spot dedicated to it, and I was reading up about it, and I got, like, the chills just reading on it, because it just seems very, like, heavy, like, it seemed like so much was going on there. Like, and just, it was like literally like modern day slavery, like what goes on in Angola prison. And I was just like, oh my God. And it's just like, I heard of Rikers in New York, but I heard like the Angola one. And um, the fact that it didn't mean Angola was wild to me too. I heard that that one was like the most violent and abusive prison in the States. And I was just like, dang, like that energy over there must just be so like, like bad and heavy so I was just like it was really interesting like reading on uh, reading up on about it and how this is still going on to this day yeah like when oh, and the fact that it's literally like larger than the island of Manhattan yeah jeez yeah plantations were big man yeah but I'm trying to look for it but do you remember in this book not in this book this chapter okay like when he when he was talking about Angola and how um, some people weren't able to be paroled because they had records. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here it is. So it's on page 278, the first main paragraph, the last two sentences of that main paragraph. He says, still some Black prisoners, including Matthew, considered the despair of the whole preferable to the unbearable degradation of being forced to pick cotton at the end of the 20th century on the site of the four-row plantations for enslaved people. Because of disciplinary infractions like this, some of our clients were denied parole. Like, it's insane how they didn't want to, I don't know, pick cotton for four cents a day. Right? And uh, it's just, it's just insane. It just mirrors exactly what happened, like, during, like, slavery time. It's just, like, they... They know what their rights are. They don't want to do this, and yet they're getting pen- penalized for it, you know? And it's just, it's really sad because I just Googled it, you know, just to see how big, like, the prison was, and I'm just seeing, like, all these, like, pictures of, like, all these old Black people. And it just breaks my heart because it's, like, dang, like, mind you, these people are probably put in prison for something, like, seeing, like, a bicycle or, like, a pack of cigarettes or something, like, you know what I mean? And they're just stuck there for life because of this like insane cycle that they're in. But like, even like in the second paragraph, it talks about how like incarcerated people in most states have no right to counsel for post conviction appeals, yada, yada, yada. And then he, she said, I found myself representing people sentenced to life without parole for stealing a bicycle or for simple possession of marijuana. Mind you, marijuana is literally being legalized almost in every state. I think even in Florida now, which is crazy. And for a nation that prides itself on being exceptionally committed to freedom, America has produced an endless list of harsh, extreme, and cruel sentences across the 50 states for minor and major crimes. Mm. And it's just, it's really sad. And I don't know, man. Like, I wonder why, like... Oh, another thing. I also heard about the Angola prison, too, from that uh, documentary, The 13th, Mm -hmm. as well. Because I was like, why is nobody talking about this? But then people are talking about it. It's just... 
not glamorous to talk about it, you know? Yeah. But I do hear every now and then about Rikers, like on Twitter, and about people, a couple of people I think this past year have died from there, and it's just getting bad. But then, it's just really sad. And this chapter was just really, really sad, and I was just like, oh my god. And then, I made a note on page 280. Me too. Is it at the end? Because I put Jesus. I, yeah, I put, wow, so brutal. <laughs> and it was just like... Yeah, a black in nineteen four Mississippi, a black man was accused of shooting a white landowner who attacked him. A white mob captured him and the woman with him, cut off their fingers and ears, drilled corkscrews into their flesh, burned them alive, while hundreds of spectators enjoyed deviled eggs and lemonade. Okay, that the meal choice was really random because I'm like, okay, <laughs> um, but I was just like, what? Because the stuff is like these punishments were a public spectacle. No, the like, meal you know- choice: deviled eggs and lemonade. Yeah, but I'm saying like it's that that's cuisine because they would oh. people would picnic like to see this stuff like it's 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 an event. Whoa. Yeah. So like Jesus. he wasn't he wasn't adding that to be snarky. Like no, these this was this layers hey, to it. Why should hey, why that was added? Yeah, like it's it's very it's not complex. It's just very traumatizing. Yeah. Like, it's, just, it's just like, oh, let's, let's, we're going for a picnic today. Let's go watch this. People be brutalized to death. No big deal. And that's how you know that the torturing of Black bodies has been so, and has, had and has been so normalized, which is why, like, you, we get so much, see? Yes empathies when you feel yeah like apathy mm-hmm. i'm probably saying it wrong i don't care i hate vowels um, <laughs> but like if, if you see like people would take their children to go watch lynchings like Jesus. this is how desensitized and like w- some or most white americans grew up so when you when you see this stuff like when you pay attention to things like this it's kind of a no-duh that we still have racism around here because when it's been normalized, like, oh, yeah, I went to a lynch mob and all of a sudden I can't lynch people anymore. Like, it's... Yeah. It's like, uh, but this is what I'm used to doing. So, like, racial sentiments, when you read stuff like this, it makes you understand, like, yeah, no, this shit is... In, this is embedded. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That is like, insane. I have another book. Let's see. Hold on. Let me move this because I read it when I was studying the Great Migration a few years ago. Um, Was it this one? Okay. So it's called Making a Way Out of No Way, African-American Women and the Second uh, Great Migration. I could only handle like bits and pieces of it because Mm -hmm. it was it's basically um, interviews of um, black women who migrated from the south to the north to like, you know, Chicago, New York, Detroit. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> relaying some of the like the racial violence they escaped, I had to stop reading because I was secondhand traumatized because this oh one God. woman was talking about how um, they lynched somebody they knew or somebody black one of the two mm-hmm. and um they lynched the body burned it and then hung it up at a storefront like you would a dead duck or a chicken jesus and like skinned them 
pick the bones and stuff. And it's just, my God, it's, it's, it, I had to stop reading. And oh my God. It's scary to know that this, the only reason why we know this is because it's recorded. Yeah. Like, imagine all the, uh, like, imagine all the unsung things that we just do not know. Yeah. And it makes you, it makes you really understand and sympathize with older Black generations who just flat out say they don't fuck with white people. It's like, yeah. you know what? <laughs> I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Look at all the traumatizing stuff they have to witness. Oh yes, yes. That's the thing. Like, these punishments are, I mean, they were legal. Yeah. Legal and unjust an event is actually so like bewildering to me like I'm, i still can't go over the deviled eggs and lemonade part of it because what the ship was an event just like how you know back in the day in england when they would watch you know people get hung hey yeah yeah it's literally or like beheaded or something yes like it's literally Unfortunately, the same thing. Um, this is just so embedded in like society. It's, in, it's insane. It's, yeah. it's insane. I don't know. Someone, maybe there's some paper out there of like why humans enjoy seeing like gory, violent stuff. But it's just, it's weird how these things are like an event. Like there's spectators to watch someone getting beheaded or hung or skinned alive what do you gain from that i don't understand i really don't understand but that was wild um on page 281 they talked about that lady mary turner who complained about her husband getting murdered oh my god yeah read about that oh wow like trigger warning you can google it and then that's that like her body is still on the interwebs <gasps> i'm not gonna watch i'm not gonna look at that yeah no that's so sad oh because yeah literally like yeah she was complaining um i'm sorry she complained about her husband's murder and mistreatment of sharecroppers and they lynched her and then um yeah girl 10, gathered. you said what yeah they lynched her in 1918 jeez yep that's crazy to me yeah, and yeah, and then they lynched another lady named Elizabeth Lawrence for yeah, these white children who are throwing rocks at her. I was like, what? Isn't that? But like, you see why you have like white people thinking they can get away with something? Yeah, it's the audacity because it was real. Yeah, yeah, crazy. It's right there. And then I I made a note on the end of the chapter of two eighty one. Uh-huh. Hundreds of years after the arrival of the first enslaved Africans, a presumption of danger and criminality still follows black people everywhere. New language has emerged for non-crimes that have replaced black codes, driving while black, sleeping while black, sitting in the coffee shop while black. All still relevant today, you know? I was just like, wow, these are things that we're still literally seeing today. But like this person said, I'm sorry, guys. Brian Stevenson said, um... What's it called? These there's new codes for all these terminologies on like what is going on today versus like things that happened back then. Yeah. Do you have any before we go into the next chapter? Do you have anything you want to say to close punishment off? Inheritance and um, what did you think of this? Like it was very interesting. It was like really sad because this just to give like a little backstory of like the 
of the story that they gave us in this chapter, there was someone called Josephine um, Boyle, Balling, I'm sorry, Josephine Balling McCall. And I believe it was her father, right? Grandfather. Do you no, know that was her father. Yes, yeah, so it was her father. And they're just telling the story of how basically, like, her father came, like, you know, her father was really successful. He had a lot of businesses. And um, one day, um, he, like, people came up. They saw that he was successful. They didn't like that. And then they ended up killing him in front of his two um, children, uh, two kids that were there. And that, like, trauma just sort of, like, surfaced and seeped um, follow them throughout their lives and it just goes to show that like the dad was doing everything he could to build that generational wealth but literally like in the span of like this instance that happened everything was gone so it was just it was just really sad and um this is like one of the like many stories of like why um generational wealth isn't like a thing for like a lot of Black Americans, unfortunately, because of things that happened in the past, like the thing that the 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 story that happened in um Tulsa was it Tulsa? It's everywhere. Yeah, no, but <laughs> the, the one the one that everybody knows that they should have Lovecraft County was that Tulsa? Uh, more than likely, yeah. I did not watch Lovecraft. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting show, but um, yeah. So, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, it was just really sad um that's just like my biggest description of it because you saw how the murder of you know the black patriarch of the family how that murder altered uh not only like the course of the wife but of the seven children and how that disturbance like reverberated uh throughout their lives like because it says um uh there were seven siblings including josephine which is the woman that was interviewed for this chapter um only her out of those seven fulfilled her father's dreams of getting a higher education yeah and she ultimately ended up becoming the first black president of the Alabama Association of School Psychologists, which is amazing. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, she was the only one out of her siblings to fully succeed yeah. and get out of the, get out of poverty. Um, I think what was really shocking to me was when Yes, her sibling Willie D was there when their father was murdered. Yeah. Saw him get murdered and tried to take off his boots so the father could ascend to yeah. heaven. And like how they how the author described uh, like just his downfall after yeah. witnessing that trauma and it's just like oh my god it happened yeah. yeah that that was so sad and there was like so much layers to that too another thing that i thought was so messed up was when um they talked about it on page 298 um kind of like a, not a really detour but similar to the story Renegine 
on the land was just one way the federal government betrayed these upstart Americans. The Freedmen's Bureau always meant to be temporary, but was dismantled in 1872. More than 60,000 black people had deposited more than $3 million into their savings, but all white trustees used that money to begin issuing speculative loans to white investors and corporations. And when the bank failed in 1874, black depositors lost much of their savings. I wrote a note here and I was like, wow. These are <laughs> these things, like, there's no words to describe how, like, so much, like, how evil that is. Like, they, I wrote that down too. I wrote, I wrote, wow, because it's not surprising that the, oh, wow, the federal government, like, reneged on the blacks again. Right? Shocker. Like, <laughs> I was like, dude, just open, just like, literally, like, no shame, unprovoked, just said, oh, yes, let's use this money that, you know, these black people deposit, and let's give you some loans that white people can use to go ahead and build their wealth. Meanwhile, these group of people's wealth are being taken away from them. I was like, jeez. And I think what's really scary about this is because the Freedmen's Bureau was established for Black Americans who just got freed from slavery. Yeah. It's just the irony. Yeah. And like, I think that's it. Like, I think it's literally just the irony of it. Like, wow, more than 60,000 deposited more than 3 million. But it was the all white trustees yeah. who were like, you know what? These ex-slave owners, they took an oath and they are sorry. So here, let's give them money so they can, you know, restart their lives. Yeah. And it's just, it just always goes to show you that they never cared. And reading up on stuff like this, besides, you know, what I read in class, you understand more and more why you have, like, black people who just don't trust the federal government yeah. they don't trust banks yeah it, it, it starts somewhere you yeah can't. yeah i like after reading this and the next chapter which we talk about medicine like mm. i get it like i get it like i always knew that there was a distrust and all but like a little bit of a detour when i was thinking about the medicine i was like okay guys like come on like Yes, I know, like, this happens, but, like, we also need to start taking care of our health. But I, as I read this, like, chapter, like, the medicine chapter, I'm like, oh, my God, I understand where the distrust is. And it's so deeply rooted into them. Like, it's crazy. Like, you can't blame them at all. But back to the inheritance thing, like, it's just crazy how, like, all their money was just taken, destroyed, ruined, nothing left for them. And it's just sad that you can soon see the effects of that to this day for many families in America. Oh, yes. It was Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, that part. Just think like Cameron, like a perfect world if this never happened. Oh, my gosh. If this never happened, I don't know. It just feels so unrealistic because it's like, of course it would happen because this country was, I mean, it was built by the Blacks. So there was never, ever going to be a smooth transition of, okay, from we are superior to these Black people to, you know what? These people are A-okay. Let them prosper. There's always going to be that jealousy. Yeah. And we still see it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We still see it because just even though it's it's not as blatant as it used to be, it's it's there. You can feel it. It's hidden. Like, uh uh-uh. Um, 300, page 300, mm-hmm. when, what's it called? 
they're like, he's getting too damn prosperous and biggity for a nigger. <laughs> Not long after the white neighbor had a property line draw 25 feet into the black farmer's land and dared him to cross it. Yeah. It's the audacity. Yeah. It's the audacity. And I believe that same film ended up getting fined. At the, towards the end. Did yeah, that... yeah, he got fined and his kids went to jail. And like, it's, I mean, it's not funny, but it is because it's just like, again, it's not only that jealousy, but they are so, they were so used to, they're just so used to the superiority. So used yeah. to just, I mean, this is how things were. Like, this is their lives. Yeah. And so it's, it is the audacity, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? This is this was your life. This was their lifestyle. I hope that conjunction was right, but... I get it. It was... <laughs> all you can do, really, when you read stuff like this is just... Stick your shrug. head. Shrug. Yeah. It's shrug. like... <laughs> the more this, I can't read things like this because I just get so angry. It is ang- it, it, it's anger inducing, but like you're supposed to get angry. Yeah. Like you're supposed to be uncomfortable. Yeah, very and uncomfortable. If some people actually read into real histories and not what they see on, I Twitter. don't know, the incel internet, <laughs> we as a society could progress a little further. Yeah. But everybody's so stuck on just what they. What they just want to hear. Yeah. And when you tell them to not even tell them to cite their sources, but actually like do some actual research, very surface level. Oh very yeah. non-credible websites. Martin Luther King, you know. <laughs> Girl, I think I think the worst thing <laughs> I like that's literally all you got. Like I remember with this whole George Floyd thing <laughs> that happened in 2020. Mm-hmm. I was so damn tired of seeing Martin Luther King quoted. Oh God, by white people. But you know it's you got to add that asterisk by white people <laughs> because girl, do you actually know? <laughs> I don't think they do. Can you just give me a different black? You know any other black that that you haven't learned about from Black uh, History Month, I will give you something. But please, because you know all they have is Rosa Parks, anything, anybody from the Civil Rights era, or they might add a little razzle-dazzle and then drop in, you know, Harriet Tubman. But that's it. <laughs> it's just so tiring. There's other Blacks out here. Yeah, I just wish... And like you said, it just also just goes back to the education system, too, because that's unfortunately what they teach us in schools but it's also at the end of the day it's us to, it's up to us to like you know move past that and seek out this knowledge and not just be like bunkered down with the same regurgitated people when there's such a wealth of knowledge and history and black history in this book specifically i like before reading this like there are so many things that i wasn't even aware of but look at me taking the initiative actually reading upon and being like oh my god like this happened. Do you have anything else you want to talk about in her before we move to medicine? Oh, I have one more thing. Yeah. In the little like um, story, um, Bad Blood by Yagayasi. She's Ghanaian. Yeah. Um, that, oh, child, that was so sad. Like at the end, she says she comes by her hypochondria and eratrophobia, honestly. When she was growing up in Alabama, people still talked about their grandfathers, fathers. And brothers who died of bad blood. That was a cat 
catch-all term for syphilis, anemia, and just anything that ailed you. And then they talk about the Tuskegee syphilis study. And it just goes to show, like, it's just generational trauma. And, you know, that's where the distrust starts and the fear. And I get it, man. I get it. And then I saw somewhere, this is actually leading to medicine. I saw somewhere how apparently, like, back, like, way back in the day, it was the Congolese woman. I was reading about it. Um, that started, apparently started uh, C-sections and like this white doctor uh, came and he saw and he was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And then he ended up taking that back to America. But the irony is that when they were doing the C-sections in Congo, like it was perfect. It was well, it was going well for the black mothers there. But C-sections here are literally so risky for black mothers. So I'm just like, bro. Really? Yeah, they're really risky. (sighs) I didn't know. Surgery. Surgery Surgery is risky, you know? And... Because there was going to be complications with that, but... That's scary. Yeah. What was that statistic? I mean, I know I don't know it. I should have Googled it. Which one? But, like, you know, like, just Black women in general are just, like, at risk when it comes to, like, giving birth in hospitals. It's Uh, so scary. I'm not sure. But it's a very high number. I even think they mentioned it in um, the medicine chapter. Or was it the statistic about COVID? I don't even remember. But it was pretty high. Well, somebody will Google it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you ready to move to medicine chapter? Yes, yes, yes. And starting off with, you know, the story of doctor because she deserves that respect. Yeah. Susan Moore. That was that was so scary because I remember I remember we talked about this earlier, but I remember this actually happening in real time during COVID and how Okay, so quick background, if you guys don't know, Susan, Dr. Susan Moore uh, was a black woman. And um, in late uh, November 2020, she was admitted to the hospital because she had COVID. And long story short, she was telling the doctors and the nurses what was wrong about her pain and how, like, she's uncomfortable they ignored her and um so she recorded this on her phone uploaded it and then two weeks later she died bro i remember seeing her face like plastered all over social media like and she survived by i believe like her son and her grandmother who has dementia but oh my god like that story literally gave me the chills because this woman like worked so hard to be a doctor. I think she, before she was even a doctor, she was in another career. So she's a career changer. She, she, what's it called? She worked so hard. She went to undergrad medical school, residency, all that, all stuff. that. All that stuff, bro. Like that shit is so hard. And like for her to just be put in the same season treated as if like her life didn't matter because oh they thought she wanted more drugs and you know what's crazy the guy knew she was a doctor too i know that's what blows me he knew she was a doctor so he didn't even have that respect to even give her he was like no you're just another junkie who doesn't experience pain like you'll be fine and she was literally telling him this is what i need give it to me and it even reminded me of like serena williams too when she was yeah she literally said i have this condition give me this Blah, blah, blah. If she hadn't spoken up, she would have died, bro. Same thing happened to Beyonce, too, I believe. Yes. And another person I don't remember. But it, it's so common. Black people don't get listened to, and then their life is the cost of it. They die. And it's just so sad. 
there was yeah, here it is because I listened to this on one of my murder podcasts. Um, so there was, you know, the they call him like you know the father of modern gynecology, yep. Jay uh, Marion Sims. Yep. Um, the podcast I listened to was wild, but <laughs> I like to know these things. Yeah. And um, you know, he did all these disgusting experiments. Yeah. With with um. Black, black women mm-hmm. yes you're right black women specifically and you know he was like they feel no pain they have a higher black um, sorry I'm reading uh, the false theory of higher black pain tolerance led to the use of black people as subjects in medical experiments that today we would view as um, that's on page uh, 320 but yeah they saw They just didn't and still don't see us as humans with like actual plan. And, and, and for me, what's really funny is that you know, you have all these people who say there's only one race and that's the human race. It's like, okay, cool, but let's apply that to medicine. Yeah, like, let's apply that when a black woman says that she's in pain, let's treat her like the human race. Yeah, and get her some meds. Mm-hmm. And it starts off from somewhere because on page 318. It said it right here that for centuries, white doctors and scientists, they went to great lengths to prove that black bodies are biologically different and mm-hmm. biologically and physiologically different from white bodies. And in other words, different means inferior. And then yep. they used their expertise to, you know, insist that by saying, oh, the blacks were enslaved, um, the blacks were fit for slavery and they could handle it. Um, this is why, you know, they can take the pain. And then they even did a study of 200 white medical students and residents um, that was published in the National Academy of Sciences that showed that half of the students and residents endorsed at least one false idea about biological differences between black people and white people, including black people's nerve endings are less sensitive than those of white people. <laughs> I was like, bro, your medical racism is literally killing people. And these are the people who are supposed to take care of us. So it's just like crazy because like... They, oh yeah, and also said, what acts to imagine how much white pain, how much pain white or black people experience in hypothetical situations? The medical students and residents held more false beliefs and were more likely to maintain that black people felt less pain and were less likely to recommend appropriate treatments. Mm. And the author said, this is how black people get killed. So, oh, and I, I this, oh, this one right here. At the end, it said, racial health disparities show up at the beginning of life and cut life short at the end. And then immediately I thought of like high blood pressure and mm. you know, where that stems from stress. Mm. Um, and then it says right here, black babies are more twice as likely to die at birth than um, white babies, you know, due to maternal mortality and the racial gap that adds to thousands of lives lost, lost each year, every year. Um, African-Americans adults of all ages, they have elevated rates of conditions such as diabetes, hypertension, AKA high blood pressure, and they're found more commonly at older ages. Again, <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the, you know, if I don't know if you're familiar with the whole social determinants of health, like, you know, mm-hmm. where like, it's just essentially like, in, essentially just like where you like, you know, your access to food, education, mm. health, all that stuff, that literally is what affects, you know, your, your health and like 
if it's not taken care of properly, you start to see things like diabetes. Like I saw that a lot when I worked at the clinic, like, oh my gosh, the amount of black people who have diabetes, it's insane. And it's always because a lot of them live in food deserts, no access to groceries, you know, it's just, it's so systemic. It's sad. (laughs) It's just so sad. Like it's scary. It's very, very scary. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. I really like this chapter a lot because it's, Again, all the all every single chapter that we read is relevant to today, but medicine is like really important to me. And I just hope that with this could just be the optimist in me, with you know, our generation moving forward, things will change and when it comes to medical racism, you know, we will start to treat every patient the same. I mean, there's always gonna be those bad apples in there unfortunately but I think at the end of the day like it it does start with like what we are taught in schools you know what they teach us but I just hope things will change because too many lives have just been unnecessary lost due to this and it's sad like I remember even watching this one show where it was actually two shows that they talked about it it was so sad oh my god this one guy he came with a black guy came with his pregnant wife who was also black and like she was about to have a baby they were like super excited and then she had her pregnancy was high no it wasn't high risk it was very normal mm-hmm. something happened and no one was there to check on her she was like calling for help and then she ended up dying and the guy was like he went berserk for a good reason and he ended up creating a foundation about it and like a whole organization like bringing awareness to maternal mortality because he was left with two kids because she passed away mm. but yeah it's really sad man it's but probably. you know what's also scary because you what? I, like it just hit me that you said that you know hopefully with our generation we'll do better blah 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 blah. but like yeah because i think i you're you're online you're on twitter blah 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 but how, like have you seen those nurses from emory oh Girl, that's, girl, that's why I even said bad apples. And you know what's crazy? They were all black nurses. <laughs> I know they were all black nurses. So every black, well, there was just one TikTok of a mother who, uh-huh. like, re- did you see that TikTok who like recognized those women? No, but I did hear about a bunch out. of people complaining about those nurses, though. No, they called her out. She called her out because her 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 infant passed away at that hospital. Oh, oh, I saw that. I saw that. I yeah. saw that. Oh my god. Yeah. It's so oh, scary. But then it's, like, do you just want to see people suffer? I think so. Some people are weird, girl. You're Some people weird. are they are so weird. Apparently evil. Yeah. Which is why, like, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> um, it just makes me so scared. Like when you know, I am ready to have kids. Yeah. It's a conversation that I'm gonna have to have. Like, okay, like, where am I gonna give birth? Who's going to be around me? And, like, I know for a fact I want a doula. I don't care how much it's going to cost, but I know that they are also, like, uh, hospital advocates. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I want. Yeah, for sure. For sure, girl. But um, that's what I have to say for medicine. Nah, I'm... Am I good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. This stuff is just the press. <laughs> but the next one is church. That should be really interesting. Man, I'm thinking. I'm actually really excited to read that one. Me too. Sometimes I'm not gonna lie, I kind of wish that I went to an all-black church growing up. <laughs> but hey, it's fun to read about them. Yeah. <laughs> 
what was our church? Our church was diverse. It was diverse. Yeah. You will go in a way. I think so. You know what? We did. I'm thinking of, oh my God, remember we went to summer camp? But I'm thinking about the demographics at summer camp. We were, we were well represented. Yeah. <laughs> Best believe Black people show up everywhere, man. Oh, man. But yeah, this was fun, girls. So that's all for this episode, guys. Yes, yes. We will hit you up when we can. Um, yep. Still follow us on uh, uh, media. Anyways, so that's all for now. See you later. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>